the podcast this week is sponsored by Second Century Fox, creators of the world's most entertaining and dramatic illusions. From comic tales of poor people being oppressed by the elite to dramatic fables about poor people being oppressed by the uh, elite to sweeping sagas about uh, poor people being oppressed by... Look, can't they oppress someone other than just the poor people? I'm an equal opportunities oppressor. I've oppressed along with the best of them. Now, where's that screenplay I wrote? All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Gold of Role Players. Russ has ever... It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Hey, we have a guest. What? A guest? A guest. On our podcast? I know. That seems, that seems very unusual. <laughs> <laughs> who, is, who is this fantastic person that has so, come to uh, join us? Our guest is yeah. uh, Justice Arman, who's joined us all the way from Texas in the USA. Wow. And he is here to talk about Nazi Dracula and oh. why why he must die. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. And how you can help that come about. For some sort of role-playing game. Interesting. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah. opposed to the real-life scourge of Nazi Dracula, which is a different story altogether. <laughs> so, so, Justice, welcome. Hello. Thank Hello. you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about how uh, we must punch Nazi Dracula in the face. Uh, Repeatedly. Repeatedly. I think uh, we briefly mentioned mentioned the Kickstarter in last week's show, and I Mm. think uh, Peter decided that Nazi Dracula need to be uh, fired into the sun, I think. Well, we were going with the sun originally, but we decided that the solar pushback would be too much. So we're just going to... We decided the orbital mechanics and the rocket science was (laughs) a little beyond us. Um, (laughs) Don't really work out. Even the Kerbal Space Program, so we're just going to send him to deep space instead. That sounds good. I'm a little hazy on the jump spell rules anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, we could do Jupiter. How about that? Jupiter sounds great. There we go. Yeah, but what happens if he meets Nazi Dracula, then meets a load of Jupiter people, Mm. and then turns them into Nazi vampires, and then they all come and try and invade us. Oh, that's the sequel, so let's not give too much <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, come on, Russ, spoilers. <laughs> He's like this all the time. It's like Spoiler City with him. <laughs> should we do some RPG news? Oh, I suppose we are a news podcast. We, we really should try that. Let's do we it. We should try that. Uh, some actual news. Cyberpunk Red. Yes, yes. Has a release yes. date. And that release date is going to coincide with Mm. the uh, video game, which is Cyberpunk 2077, I want to say. Mm. Not being, not being uh, particularly familiar with, with the video game. Yeah. But it's a 456 page hardcover and it's coming out on November the 14th for the price of 60 US dollars. Shiny. Yeah. Well, you'll be able to get the PDF on the 14th. Uh, the hardcover is a few days later on the 19th. So if you are hanging around waiting with some cyberpunk goodness, Cyberpunk Red is on its way. I think that's probably going to be the big cyberpunk release of the year. Mm-hmm. We are running out of year to have cyberpunk yeah. release. Then. <laughs> well, there is, there's that too. Yeah, yeah, there is that too. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know Worlds Without Number? Yes, yes. Uh, the, uh, Kevin Crawford. 
the yeah. sort of the spiritual successor to Stars Without Number. Yeah. yeah. It's not just spiritual. It is an actual successor, isn't it? It's, uh... I don't know that much. I just backed the Kickstarter, man. What was I? <laughs> well, I don't so actually we'll... read what it says. <laughs> <laughs> well, Worlds Without Number, so Stars Without Number is the space one. Yes. And that's been around for a few years. Yes, yes. And it's quite fun to play in. And yeah. it basically uses like sort of like seconded D&D style things where you've got attack rolls and saving throws using D20 and then 2D6 plus or minus like your attribute. But it's using the seconded. So it's only like minus two to plus two. I think it's, I think it's hmm. isn't it before, se- before second edition? I thought it was like a proper OSR game. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I've never probably. played it. I'm just... I, I've not played any first edition Dungeons & Dragons or BX or OX or OSRX. <laughs> operating system. OSRX. That's the Apple-friendly version of the OSR movement, um, as you know. So that, that, that's definitely one to look out for. But yeah, I've, I've, I've not I've not played um, any of the original games because mm. no one's been running them. So mm. Justice, if you ever if you ever played any of this mysterious OSRX of which Peter speaks, I have not. I've always wanted to play um, some OSR. You know, I see some of these games like Torchbearer and stuff, and you hear. Mm. I, I love reading the old stories of early D anD D, where um, you know, seeing where things kind of came about or the history behind like hallways and. Mm. Um, how the hallways were basically hallways. just to break up monster encounters and stuff. You'd have long <laughs> hallways and then just to give you yeah. a break or something. Yeah, uh, the uh, game has definitely evolved since yeah. then. It's definitely a very, very different play style these days. For sure. Very much so. Uh, but there's stuff like Five Torches Deep, which does um, uses the D20 base mechanic mm-hmm. and has an OSR methodology. And from the same studios, uh, Vagabonds of Diffed, who... Uh, Sigil Stone, I think it is, who does powered by the apocalypse to do an osr style thing oh yeah um it's 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 a very vibe which is all about challenging the players rather mm. than the uh characters which mm. is a different mindset but yeah i quite like it yeah That's yeah i remember a game run by gary gygax where you walk mm. into the dungeon and suddenly a block of stone just falls and kills your mule Mm. Yeah, that's that's it. It. No, no, um, <laughs> no saving throw, no dice revolved. It's just you walked in, dead. Yeah, it's like that's. I don't know. I, I, in my personal opinion, that would be an acceptable in a modern GM. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we were talking about Worlds Without Number before we drifted off yes. the subject and started talking about some mysterious OSRX system which Peter had invented. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I want to play this OSRX system. Well, that's because you use Apple, and yeah, you're doing the best with what you can. <laughs> so, Worlds Without Number uh, is... So, Stars Without Number is the space version. Worlds yes. Without Number is the... Uh, fantasy. Fantasy version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's on Kickstarter, and yes. it's blasted through $100,000. I think it's gone past... Let me check now. 150000 It it Because the, 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 the buy-in is really cheap. You're yeah, going to yeah. get a big book and $25. dollars hmm. $159,000. $25 is the buy-in for this book. And you know, uh, it's got, it's, you know it's not going to be a small one. It's not quite. It's one of those you get a print-on-demand code, so you're still yeah, paying yeah. on top of that $25. Yeah, mm. but it's $25 to get the thing, but then you have to get a print-on-demand book. But still... Yeah. So probably $35, probably, is what knows? you're going to end up paying there. Yeah. But even so, like, yeah, there are full-on Kickstarters which are going to do smaller books, which are like $50. Yeah. So 
I don't know how he's doing it. I assume he's got a lot of people very interested, and apparently he's got a lot of people very interested. What was it? 150,000 you said he blew through? 150, yeah, he's $159,000 right now, and he's got 18 days to go. Wow. Yeah. I know. That, that is that is impressive. It is impressive. Oh, well, it's got legs. Um, I mean, stars without them, but you can yeah, get the art free, as in there's no art in it. Uh, rules has a free download, which is, mm. you know, that gets a lot of people to play a game. Yeah. Mm. All right then. Hey, did you, you know uh, Baldur's Gate 3 came out last week? Well, I know you know this because we talked about it at length last week. So. Uh, did, did you know this, Justice? I did. I saw some people going through the character creation. Mm, that's, well, it, have you heard uh, from Larian Studios who are claiming that we're all making very dull D&D characters? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think someone's mentioned that. Oh, like, don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so My characters are all awesome. <laughs> so, so, so basically, they uh, had a look at all the characters that people are making, yes. and it turns out that overwhelmingly, it tends to be a white male fighter type mm. from almost everybody. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, there aren't that many choices on the early access. Yeah. You are limited. But even, even so, it does seem that everybody's making pretty similar characters, and uh, so much so that Larian thought it was worth... You know, they say, we gave you demon eyes, horns, and even tails. We are sorely disappointed. Go crazy. We worked hard on this. <laughs> That's super <laughs> surprising. Uh, you know, the D&D yeah. Beyond data showed, I, I thought that like people, a lot of people play, play like fear bulk druids and stuff. Uh, I think human fighter was still way Human fighter still about. Yeah. Mm. Hu- human fighter was very popular for a reason. It's because you know he's done with human fighter. You're a human and you fight things. And that sort of low effort buy-in is something I can get 100% behind. I think... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a simple class, which helps. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw for... this out here. It costs 50 UK pounds. I don't know how much that is in dollars, but what, about 60, 70 dollars to buy in? That's mm-hmm. that's not cheap for for early access. And yeah. there are still bugs in this game. Mm. So it's people with a high disposable income, maybe, mm. who are really into D&D, maybe. I can see them being interested in it. So people who really love Baldur's Gate 1 and 2... I gotta say, it's pretty fun. Um, mm. I, I'm enjoying it. I've started, I've restarted three times. I've got different threads of saves as I'm going along with, but I don't think I've made any human males because I don't know. I've got sort of a half drow kicking around and they're quite, but they're more pit, pale purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our drow are like their original, they're like their own race in this, correct? Uh, yes. I think they have sub races. Yes, so. They've implemented from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide the half-elf things, which is like, yes, but what elf are you half? Oh, interesting. Like, high The left half, the right half, which which half? (laughs) (laughs) It's like two-faced, straight down the middle. (laughs) He does. Peter's Peter's clearly not impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I was impressed. I'm I'm glad that that, that's a low bar to clear because that will make the rest of the podcast go much easier. (laughs) As as I said, if uh, if a joke doesn't work, I just repeat it over and over again until Peter laughs eventually just to shut me up. Mm. It'll work eventually. Mm. Anyway, can we we talk about the awfully cheerful engine briefly? The awfully cheerful engine? Yes. One of the most exciting design things. I mean, you've heard about the awfully cheerful engine, right, Justice? I have not. He's about to. <laughs> oh, yes. oh uh, but, but, but spoilers, Russ did write it, so, you know, maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. self-interested. Uh, so, oh, yeah. uh, 
So the thing actually got properly announced four days ago. Mm, okay. And it has its own website now, mm. which is very, very colorful. What Lots is the reds and greens address? and very awfully cheerful engine.com. Nice. That's awfully easy to remember. Yes. And uh, on there, there's basically an introduction to what the awfully cheerful engine is and also the entire character creation rules there which mm. aren't very long, because the Awfully Cheerful Engine is a very, very small rules-like game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, re- I really like the way you've got it set up. Uh, basically, the rules look like a comic book. Mm. Um, so if you're like at a convention and you see a comic book, you're like, why is there a comic book at a role-playing games convention? You go over, you pick it up, you're like, wait a minute, I've been bamboozled. This is a role-playing game system. No, mercy. Yes. Take my <laughs> money. Um, that's the theory, anyway. And the Awfully Cheerful Engine expansion packs and setting documents will also look like comics, which I think is quite a nice idea. Yeah. Um, is that a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a sniper rifle um, that I'm seeing? Uh, in, un, 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 undefined dinosaur. Maybe a T-Rex. Velociraptor? Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I can get down with that. <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a dinosaur of some kind. Yeah, the front cover's got a dinosaur, a robot, a cowboy, and an elf on the front uh, cover. So a cyberpunk elf with pink hair, which mm-hmm. is the best sort of uh, elf, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I don't normally hold with prefix elves, but cyberpunk elves I can get behind. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so the, the website, I mean, the Kickstarter's not coming until next year, so this is very sort of early marketing. But if you wanted to uh, pop along to the website, you can actually see the full character creation rules and actually start making characters, which will only take literally three minutes to make a character. It's so quick. If that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, of course, Spirits of Manhattan and Raiders of the Cutty Sark. <laughs> yes, two of the games. And Captain's Log. Captain's Log. This is going to have a spaceship captain by a captain called Captain Slog. <laughs> oh yes, yet yes. again Peter Peter hates my sense of humour he can't stand <laughs> oh, I hate it it's just anyway never mind let's, let's move on <laughs> oh dear oh it's going to be one of those podcasts I can tell <laughs> like um, really? huh? so uh, let's have a look what else have we got in the terms of news we have got yes Oh, the Soulbound Collector's Edition from Cubicle 7. Mm, so that's Warhammer, colon, Age of Sigma, comma, Soulbound. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, Dom of Cubicle 7 fame, the CEO of Cubicle 7, has yes. been showing off the um, proof copies, I guess, the, the sample print copies that they've got of the uh, boxed, Collector's Edition, leather-bound, Age of Sigmar book, and it's gorgeous. It's got gilt edges on the pages. It's got a, it's got a sort of gold gilt, yeah, gold edging on the pages. It's got a big map on the interior front cover. Oh, we have to. Oh, that it has, cover a, it is has so a nice. ribbon, a ribbon, which always Mark always quality. makes every book better. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't argue with that. That is, oh, it's, it's like it's got the gold. Gold, um, oh, what do you call it? Foil on the page edges, mm. which I, I, I mean, I was, I mean, that looks like a really quality book. I mm. really like that. That's that's very pretty. It does look gorgeous, doesn't it? It comes in a box as well. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, ooh, two point four nine kilos, three hundred fifty two pages. Sweet ass. Is that heavy? Well, it's quite heavy. Yeah, it's like 
Like how much? Well, we we know how much books weigh. No, that's pretty heavy for a book. I got to say, two and a half kilos. Oh, like, that's, that's including the box, the box though. isn't it? That's including the box. Well, and of course the solid gold. And the solid gold, <laughs> uh, which is an integral part of the production process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it does it does look absolutely gorgeous. Very very impressive that. I kind of want one, even though I'm not sure I'd ever get a chance to play it. I kind of mm. just want one on the shelf there. Yeah, no, that's fair. RPG players, we we always play the games we buy. Every single one of them, yeah. Oh, every yeah, one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, every that, game on my shelves. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's the thing that happens. We play the games. Yeah, yeah. of course we yeah. do, mate. Of course we do. Yeah. I think that's one of the weaknesses of, of the industry, of the hobby, is that if you buy yourself a DVD of a movie... You can yep. sit and watch that in a couple of hours on your own. So every every DVD, you'll probably end up watching at some point. Yeah. Hmm. Or, or if you buy yourself some music or you buy yourself a book to read. There's solo hmm. activities, so you will do it. But for an RPG, you hmm. buy yourself something because you think it looks awesome. But then hmm. you have to then persuade five or six other people mm-hmm. that it looks awesome and that they all think it looks awesome at the same time as you and put, yes. to, put aside several hours per week to play it. Yeah. That's no trivial task, although you know, it can be done, and the internet's definitely been helpful for it. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Starfinder Battles, Planets of Peril. Mm. It's a miniatures set mm. from Paizo. All pre-painted, for- I assume? Yeah, plastic pre-painted, set for release in March 21, uh, 2021, mm-hmm. not 21, because mm-hmm. that would have been like 2,000 years ago. <laughs> March 2021 nice. um, it's a set of 32 Starfinder miniatures mm-hmm. each pre-painted like you say uh, you can get a similar 12 pieces of terrain as well in a separate terrain mm-hmm. set called uh, the Docking Bay Premium Set that is a good name but it will set you back 59.99 uh, 60 quid or 60 dollars dollars uh, for 12 no. pieces of terrain. Mm, not terrible. Mm-mm. Just yeah. that because that's the sort of thing I would find useful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that does look pretty cool, actually. So by, by terrain, it's got some crates there. It's got some kind of wheeled vehicle. It's got some kind of... Uh, what do you call those? Like a, a flat surface with wheels on, and you put things on the flat surface and then wheel it around. A trolley? Called? A trolley, not a trolley. A thing that carries things that has wheels word. cart without but it yeah. hasn't got sides it's just well just yeah it's flat. just like a flat bottomed cart like a yeah. loader or a well, so, yeah. mover loader maybe yeah maybe. Dolly. Dolly. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah i like dolly that. best actually it's a trailer because uh. you can see it's got like a tow hook at the front oh it probably goes on the back of back that of the thing that, yeah, yeah yeah okay mm. that jeep looking thing yeah yeah so it's only got what two seats in the jeep so I guess everyone else gets to sit on the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That does look pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm tempted to pick that up, actually. Uh, it's got a little park bench as well. You know, can't argue. Yeah, I don't quite understand the park bench. Well, you need some place to sit. It, it, it's, it's very hard playing Starfinder. You got it doesn't, to, you got it doesn't look very sci-fi, though, does it? It looks, looks like it's made of wood. Well, you know, it's a decent building material. I don't think it looks like it's made of wood. No. No. It's, maybe it's space wood. <laughs> space wood. Space wood. Spud. Now we're talking. Spud. <laughs> Spud. That's correct. Yes. I don't know why you're laughing. This is a perfectly sensible name for a thing. Yeah. 
Uh, right. What else have we got in the news? Uh, there are some new Starfinder Alexa episodes available, sticking on Starfinder. And also, mm. there's some more Starfinder errata. There's quite a lot of Starfinder news this week. Hmm. Nice. Pagan's uh, clearly ha- having a bit of a tidy up. Yeah. Yeah. Chunk, chunk. So the Starfinder Alexa stuff, it's voiced yep. by um, a bunch of people, including Nathan Fillion and mm. Laura Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside other other sort of veteran voice actors, and there's another. I think it's another two episodes have released this week. So episodes one to three were launched in August. If you remember, we tried the beginning of episode one. I was going to say next time we find ourselves short. Oh, she was Jaina Proudmore in World of Warcraft. Uh, okay, sorry, I was just looking at Laura Bailey quickly. Oh, uh, yeah. The Last yeah. of Us Part Two. She was in also. Hmm. Yes, uh, clearly an accomplished person. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we we should have a have have another go at a, the Starfinder thing. Yeah. Although it does take a while to get your choices made, but you know, it's a good laugh. Yeah. So, oh, so this is another three episodes. So that makes six in total, mm. and that's the entire season. So that's the entire adventure. Mm. Uh, so the the first one, the pilot, is available for free. Ah, uh, and the others you have to pay for one dollar ninety nine each. Oh, I don't think mm. that'll break the bank. Yeah, that's all right, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm, that gives me an idea, actually. Yeah, cool. Yes. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with what we're talking about, Justice? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at it now. So, you, so you're so you playing to your Alexa device? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so um, how much machine learning is it doing about me in the process and my zero? I, I, I'm pretty sure zero, because it's giving you choices. Um, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book, but like an audiobook version. That's cool. So it knows, like, like it'll it'll prompt you with choices, and you you tell Alexa which one you do. That's, yeah, basically, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like um, I don't think the concept is novel, but my experience with Alexa. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's mm. it's a it's a different modality for it, and, and I'm it's like, yeah, well voice acted. It's got sound effects mm. and atmospheric music and it's background cool. ambiance and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice. Yeah, I liked it. Let's have a look. War of the Burning Sky, 5th edition, number 10. Oh, wow. That's uh, that, that's going along quite well, actually, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's number 10 of the 12-part Adventure Path. Yeah, it must be level 16 now, something like that. 19. 19. 19. Wow. And yes. it's called Sleep, Ye Cursed Child. And this one is also, it's written by Wolfgang Bauer, who's the head honcho over at Cobalt Press. Nice. And nice. who used to work uh, for Wizards of the Coast and has mm-hmm. been editor of Dragon Magazine in the past, back when there was a Dragon Magazine. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, he's a proper industry, proper industry veteran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So this is yes. This is Adventure Ten, D and D Fifth Edition. So that Mm -hmm. leaves two. I'm not sure exactly what levels the last two will be. So if that's nineteen, then maybe you've got some level twenty play material. That will be the last one. I don't know what number eleven will be. It might be two at nineteen and then one at twenty. Maybe I don't know. If you actually get a chance to hit level twenty. And then keep playing. Oh yeah, I and suppose it's that. Use yes. all your events. Use all these new skills you have. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's probably it, it then. I'm sure that's it. I should know, like, but I don't know. But I should know. 
yeah, I mean, you are publishing it, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some vague awareness of what you're publishing might be useful, but it's all right, Russ. We yeah. don't worry about it too much. It's one of those things where someone else is doing all the work. Uh, so, uh, you know Feng Shui, well, Feng Shui Tu, 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 Feng Shui Tu. This is, this, is, this is a new level for you, Russ. What, what, what words can you mispronounce? Oh, I've just forgot. Well, no. if they're going to go and put the word two after the word shui, how, how do they expect me to say that? How are you supposed to cope with feng shui yeah. two? Feng shui two. Which I think would be feng shui in Cantonese, but I'm not 100% on that. Anyway, uh, we digress. It's an awesome game. You should play it. Yes. Well, publisher Atlas Games yes. has launched a subscription model for it. Okay. So, throughout the year, or throughout um, 2021, Mm -hmm. you would get, in May, you would get Burning Dragon. Thousands have gathered in Mongolia for the Burning Dragon Festival, but this year it's been taken over by ancient sorcerers and triad gangsters. That does sound awesome. does sound fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. In July, you get Ape World on Fire. (laughs) In September, we'll temporarily have Paris. A new pop-up juncture has appeared in the netherworld portals of open to Paris in May 1944. Oh. It it seems like you may be very zeitgeisty with your Nazi punching justice. Yes. It sounds like it. You could do a crossover. We could, yeah. And then finally yeah. in November, um, this is by uh, James Mendez Hodes, who came on our podcast mm. a while back. Any award winning, mm. uh, his uh, Feng Shui adventure is The Inside Game in November, mm. where you go to Brazil in 1850 CE. Ooh, the European okay. slavers are cracking down on the Afro Brazilian capoeira martial artists. Join the revolution, fight the ghost pirates, definitely the best type of pirates, and seek the uh, Quilombo, hidden deep in the Amazon. I'm not sure what a Quilombo is. I've no idea, but it sounds awesome. But you can seek it, and it is hidden deep in the Amazon. Well, yeah, I I definitely wouldn't want to go there in person to go looking for it, because, yeah, the Amazon is very, very pretty, but it's not really... it's, It's very... It's got a lot of insects. Lots of spiders and snakes. I didn't see any of those. Actually, I did see a tarantula. So, but yeah, it's the ones I didn't see that worry me. I think it's got those a lot. That you don't it's see. got a lot of spiders. I think the Brazilian wandering spider is one of the worst spiders in the world, if I remember right. Wouldn't surprise me. It's huge, too. Oh, I don't like mm. spiders. I don't even like talking about spiders. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so, is this a bad time to talk about my Dark Elf supplement? Anyway. <laughs> Which is totally not a thing. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that that does sound, that does sound good. In uh, 1850s, I guess you could have a samurai and a cowboy and a Victorian gentleman all in the same uh, party, and it not even be due to chronological weirdness. Mm. Nice. I guess so. Yeah. All right. So yeah. that that sounds very interesting. Uh, so how is it a subscription model as opposed to new products being released? Uh, so well, you subscribe and. It's- I don't know how to explain it. Um, so you you subscribe yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the year. 
Yes. You pay your four installments as they come out. Yes. Basically, you agree to buy. You basically agree to buy them at the beginning of the year, don't you? So it's sort of like a pre-order sort of thing, I guess. Sort of, yeah. Well, that's what, what, subscri- that's what a subscription mm-hmm. is, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. When you subscribe to a magazine, you've, you've subscribed to a magazine before, haven't you, Peter? You know what a subscription is. I I, I know what a subscription is. I'm just like, but I don't generally know what it is that I'm going to be getting beforehand. I don't. Know. Well, look, if they want to do like a pre-order and have definite release dates over the course of a year, then why not? Hmm. Uh, get people while they've got money and then they can buy into it. I suppose you'd be able to buy it separately afterwards or? I guess. Yeah. Well, why not? Hmm. Um, it sounds, it, I mean, basically it sounds like you've got guaranteed adventures coming at times. That means you've got guaranteed Feng Shui 2 in your life. And quite frankly, I don't regard that as a bad thing. I regard that as a very positive thing uh, because it's absolute... Balls to the wall insanity, and I love it. Um, I don't know if I could do it for a whole year, but it's pretty good. Have, have you played it? Just this? No, no. I'm looking at... <clears throat> so, I guess you get <clears throat> early access. So, the release date's mm. two to three months later. Um, so, you oh. get it significantly before the before it officially comes right. out. So, which it, is, does, it does go on sale later than... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Ooh, interesting. Exclusives. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that does sound good. Uh, do, you, do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about a Drizzt model? A statuette? Oh, yeah, of a, yeah. Of a Drizzt. It's, got, it's not Bagheera. It's Guinevere or something. <laughs> Look, I've got a space in my head for one panther, right? And Bagheera's just like better. Bagheera is from the Jungle Book. <laughs> Bagheera is from the Jungle Book, but is also better. Uh, okay. Look, just accept it and move along. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So... Drist and Gwynefer, or whatever their name is, and like with Twinkle, <laughs> Twinkle and Frostbite, or whatever they're called. Yes, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever the other sorts of... Icing yeah. Death. Icing Death. Icing Death. Very yeah, interesting Frostbite. pairing of names. Mm-hmm. Who'd, who'd call a sword Frostbite? That's just a silly name. <laughs> well, Icing Death is so much better. Sorry. Well, I have some um, excellent news for you. Because you were so news. excited about that Drist statuette. Oh boy, was I? <laughs> I can see how excited you are. And that means you're going to be delighted to know that that is not the only Drizzt statuette you can get. There is now another one. What? There's two of them. There's two of them. Now there's two of them. They're multiplying. This other one is totally different. Totally different company. Totally different style. Yes, because the first one was Hasbro. Yeah, that one's an action figure. Uh, Oh, Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the other one had articulated oh. joints. And everything. I know this right. because I definitely bought it. And you're an adult. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted to see Twinkle in, in person and uh, just had to have it. <laughs> Sorry, we understand. We understand. <laughs> How many Panther action figures do you have? Because <laughs> I'm about to have one. <laughs> Well, Peter that clearly has his be... Bargira Panther action figure collection. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's not an action figure. It's a cuddly toy. <laughs> 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 well, anyway, this other one is from GameStop rather than from Hasbro. Mm. Oh, okay. And it's uh, not... more of a model yeah. rather than a posable action figure. Yeah. So it's a $49.99. Mm-hmm. It's called the one of the modern icons set. From GameStop. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. It's about uh, nine inches tall, it looks like. Hmm. 
Um, I don't think it's articulated or anything. I think this one just stands still. And he's standing there just with his sword sort of at his side. The two swords. Yeah. It's quite a nice uh, looking figure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Justin, what do you think? You're you're now our resident uh, Drist expert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, there's. It does look like it has the appropriate amount of brooding in it, from what I've heard of, of Drist. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm actually just thinking how interesting it is that we're seeing Dungeons and Dragons kind of break into these other areas. You know, it was at, we, they have those costumes at Spirit Halloween this year mm-hmm. for Drizzt and Zoltar and Cadibri. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, with GameStop, if, if we'll see something else from them with less known characters. I saw somewhere mm. some costumes, adult sized costumes for mm-hmm. the characters from the D&D cartoon. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah. It, one one was Drizzt. The other was Zoltar, who's the that the bald dungeon master on yes. there or wizard, I guess. Oh. Um, and then the other one is Drizzt. Yeah. Which is a uh, which is a bold move. Uh, uh, honestly, to does have Drizzt, a Drizzt have costume. a specific costume, or does he change clothes? I've never uh, I've never I, thought I of Drizzt mostly, as always wearing the same clothes. Yeah, and I, I think he mostly wears that green. That green cloak. Oh, right, okay. Um, okay. I don't know how often elves change clothes. <laughs> do they wash their clothes? <laughs> they must, right? Well, they probably do it by magic, I guess. Yeah, that's they a good They press idea. the digitation, but I mean, is it going to give you that laundry fresh smell? Hmm. I, I don't know. I suppose you could choose it as one of the effects. Laundry fresh smell. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Right. Oh, I've got... I've got some more news from my guys. Quite a lot of news for me this week. I feel a bit bad just like constantly going on about my stuff, but I've got at least another two bits. Now you're producing stuff and people <laughs> tell you about it. Yeah. So uh, the Soul Space setting for What's Old is New has just been expanded with a trilogy of adventures Ooh. called the Code of Honor Trilogy. Nice. And this is by Jacob Rogers. Mm-hmm. who previously wrote mm-hmm. a trilogy of adventures for the setting, which was called the... Uh, I can't remember what it was called now. Anyway, he wrote the previous trilogy. <laughs> that was something else. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, the Code of Honor, Honor trilogy is set in a sector of space yes. called the Galileo Sector, which mm-hmm. is primarily run by corporations and organised crime. So the Union mm-hmm. hasn't quite reached there yet, but yeah, yeah. ahead of the Union's frontier, corporations and sort of... You know, Other the Wells have gone yeah. there first. I bet uh, they celebrate National Bosses Day. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Respect your boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think you have it, a choice. It would be a mandatory yeah. public holiday, but they're like 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it? It's a uh, it's a place of exiled criminals, those down on their luck, and those who wish to avoid the scrutiny of the government. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. and. Uh, and it's basically a little trilogy of adventures. It's only about 60 pages in total. Uh, a little Ooh. trilogy of adventures just set in a sort of criminal and corporate underworld of that sector. Mm. Nice. It's jolly good fun. Yeah. Sweet. Um, and when's that coming out, did you say? It is out. Came out this morning. Out. Well, well, there, well, there you go. By the time you're listening to it, it's already out there. Fantastic. Mm. Uh, Roll20 released some stats. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the usual stats it releases every quarter, which basically what proportion of what game people are playing. Yes. And guess what's at number one? 
Is it 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons? Shocker. 53%. 53.26%. So, actually, not as big as I was expecting, to be fair. It's pretty much been hovering nice. around there for about the last two or three years. It's been, it's, you know, it's been varying by a percentage point or two, but not mm. not very much. I mean, it dropped okay. a bit last year, but again, mm. only by a, only by like you know two or three yeah. percent or something. Um, yeah, so it's about fifty percent of the role playing games that are played in Roll Twenty, or at least purportedly fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we coming up behind that is Call of Cthulhu. Mm. which has been consistently mm-hmm. beating Pathfinder for a while now in these charts. Mm. I think there might be a certain amount of people not using Roll20 for Pathfinder because there is another program called, I think I want to say it's The Forge, and mm. that is, as far as I can make out, TeamSpeed preferred uh, platform for a lot of Pathfinder 2 players, or Pathfinder and Pathfinder 2 players because it has better support for that sort of thing. I don't know. I've never used it. But well, we've been, you and I have been playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition on Roll20, and it seems fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like, I know how Roll20 works, so I'm less likely to swap now. But yeah, it's like, this is, this is what I read online when people mm. are discussing these things in communities. Oh, mm. Well, the chart yeah. goes D&D. Yes. Big uncategorized category just after that. Then Call of Cthulhu. Mm. How Pathfind- big is the uncategorized category? Fourteen uh, percent. Okay. Mm. Uh, so then we've got Pathfinder First Edition followed yes. by Pathfinder Second Edition, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got Warhammer World of Darkness, D and D three point five, mm. Starfinder, Star Wars, and then about the last eleven percent is other games. Uh, okay. Mm. Interesting stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, how many total games did they have? Uh, so thing. they don't actually release that stat. So they do say that they've logged more than 100 million total play hours. Nice. Which is a lot, but they don't tell yeah. you how many people that is. Well, still still quite a lot. I mean, I don't know, 200,000 games? It depends on what they're counting players. If they're counting people logged in, I gotta say, I spent like since I started doing Roll Twenty, I'm spending a lot more time on prep. Mm. Um, so some some of that's going to be like that's not all going to be playtime. Well, I know that a couple of years ago they were saying they had something in the region of two million registered users or something like that. Yeah, mm. but a couple of years ago, I was one of those registered users, and I hadn't touched a thing for like four or five years. So, mm. yeah. uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, they're playing KG, and that's fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, D and D Beyond has something like four million, doesn't it? Yeah, or yes. in that region, um, uh, and certainly the Beyond Twenty app makes it very, very easy to create a character from D and D Beyond and just have it work on Roll Twenty, mm. which is kind of a big selling point because it makes games like super easy to run yeah. you just look up a monster click on the thing and it rolls on roll 20 it's mm. like that is mm-hmm. that is nice <laughs> yeah yeah right so mm-hmm. last piece of news then i think yeah before we finish the news is of course a little bit of level up news uh level up news uh, because by the time people hear this podcast, it hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen mm. after we finish this podcast, uh, after I've watched yes. Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> oh. 
I'm Ooh. going to I'm going to be releasing Discovery. I'm going to be releasing the Druid for playtest. Oh, nice. It's nice. our first full uh, caster class that we're uh, revealing to the world. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how the response to that one comes out. It, it looks really nice. Uh, I, I, I like, really like what's happened. I like the changes yeah. to Wild Shape. I like Ooh. the exploration knacks. Mm. The exploration knacks are very cool. Yes. Um, because the Level Up 5e project is essentially making mm-hmm. uh, a much bigger deal of the potential for exploration mm. in D&D 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, i got to say, I'm really liking the exploration knacks. They're adding a lot to it. And again, that's something stuff like Baldur's Gate 3 is just making me like super happy and is why I keep on playing it because you keep on exploring, finding nooks and corners and little crannies. I just I just love exploration. Yeah. It's such yeah. an important part of the game. And I feel, and maybe this is a controversial viewpoint, it's not very well served in mm-hmm. uh, the current version of Dungeons & Dragons because there's like, it's it's really just like, eh, make it yourself. I don't like that. Yeah, I'd like to have more things, more ideas, more inspiration. <laughs> Yeah. Well, mm. I'm curious. This... Am, I, am I allowed to mm. ask what kind of changes to the wild shape were made? I, if you like, I will even show it to you. Yes, <gasps> please. I'm very curious. So you can change into things with swimming or flying speeds. You just don't get a flying or swimming speed. Mm. Okay. Which I quite like that, actually. Yeah, that's a, so you just end up being like a chicken, basically. Just. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a, 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 a very very angry eagle of some sort. Can you fly? Ah, ah not the ankles. Why? <laughs> it said nothing about jumping. No, only pull. But also, some of those exploration knacks tie into it because, like aerial Ooh. surveyor. Oh wow, yeah, that's cool. Number of wild sh- oh wild shapes are now equal to proficiency bonus regained on a short rest. Regain on a long rest, not a short rest. Huh. Yeah, I like the temporary hit points, too. When I was doing mm. the uh, play test for... I, I think, you know, the druid, that moon druid, is like one of the hardest things to play in 5e mm. because you've got this mm. full caster list and then you have all these different creatures that you kind of have to do like homework every time you level up, see what's yeah. the latest one, what's the best one. And I think it's just... It's nicer to just have some base things that are the same no matter what mm. and then yeah kind of move within it yeah and it, yeah it's very front loaded uh yeah okay so now okay this this does make quite a few changes actually that's interesting i thought you'd seen this peter uh i haven't well maybe i just skipped over the bit about wild shape because i thought it was the same and i was wrong and also i probably went and looked at the exploration axe because i'm super <laughs> excited about that and of course you can be an awakened tree which means you can be Groot. Which makes me happy. Yes. I am Groot. I am Groot. Oh, and you can cast spells through a range of self or touch. Interesting. Oh, that's cool, because then you can do, like, stone skin and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, you could do, like, bark skin before you change shape. I think one Well, that's why you become the awakened tree. You don't need (laughs) to cast bark skin. You've already got it. You've already got it. Yes, although if you become an awakened tree, you would need to cast bark skin first because actually your AC would be lower. So you'd be mm. an awakened tree without any bark. You'd be like a, a peeled well, tree. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, sorry. Unless the wild shape has a higher AC. There we go. Okay. Mm. It definitely looks like some things to play around with. Yeah. Can awakened trees bite? Uh, guess. 
Would you yeah, say that their bark is worse than their oh. bite? Oh. God damn it. Ow. <laughs> you monster. Uh, Welcome aboard. You, you clearly that, understand how this podcast works now. <laughs> that, physi- that physically hurt. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. I'll be here. <laughs> oh, marvelous, marvelous. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. no. Okay, no. So the druid looks very exciting. Um, I like aerial surveyor, and always have as soon as I first saw it, which is one of those exploration acts, which basically gives you advantage on perception checks made while flying or from great heights. Mm. It's mm. one of those things which is like very situationally useful. So it's no use whatsoever until it is useful, and then suddenly it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, people oh. will be able to check that out for oh. themselves by the time they hear this podcast. So yes. Well, you may be pleased to know that we have finished the news for the week now. Hello, young Bartholomew. I'll be your career advisor today. Have you had a chance to think about what you'd like to do? Oh, yes. I have thought long and hard. I can't wait to start a wonderful new career. I think I'd like to be a fighter. Wonderful. And what is it about the fighter that attracts you so? I love the way they weave the mystical powers of the cosmos with intricate formulae and manifest them in physical form through mysterious arcane powers. Hmm. But fighters don't have arcane powers, Bartholomew. Is it a wizard you're thinking of? Oh, yes, sorry, yes, yes. A wizard. I'd love to become a wizard. <laughs> Very well, then. So, what is it about the wizard that appeals to you? Well, I enjoy the way they sneak through the shadows, dagger in hand, and uncover deadly traps while wearing stylish leather armour. Hmm. Sneaking in traps isn't really the modus operandi of a wizard. I wonder if you're thinking of the rogue. Oh, silly me. Right, yes, yes, the rogue. That's what I meant. Right, yo. Let's start again, then. What is it that makes you want to be a rogue? Ah, I so admire the way they channel the divine power of their god, healing the sick and turning the undead with nothing more than a holy symbol and some stern words. Turning the undead? But that's not a rogue. Surely it's a cleric you long to be. Oh, oh, there I go again. (laughs) Yes, yes, cleric it is. I love to be a cleric. Fine, fine. We have all day, I suppose. Tell me, I ask, anticipating a reply which indicates you have no idea what a cleric is. Oh, no, sir. I know what a cleric is, all right. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a cleric, I mean. Was it now? Oh, yes, sir. You're sure? Positive, sir. I've dreamed all my life of becoming a cleric. Hmm, fine, fine. Bartholomew, tell me why you want to be a cleric. Well, sir, I just love the way they patrol the wilderness, bow in hand, tracking their foes across mountain and swamp, talking to animals, and living off the wild. (sighs) Ah. Sir? 
You've just described a ranger, not a cleric. Oh, have I, sir? Oh, I'm so sorry. A ranger. Yes, that's what I meant to say. I want to be a ranger. Not a fighter. No, sir. Or a wizard? No, sir. Or a rogue? Or a cleric? No, no, sir. A ranger it is, I promise. Hmm. Bartholomew, I'm going to ask you one last time, and I should warn you, you are sitting above a trapdoor which leads to the 96th layer of the abyss, and I will not hesitate to use it. Oh, I'm not afraid, sir. Ask away. Very well, then. Tell me, young Bartholomew. What is it about the noble ranger which calls to you so? Well, sir... I warn you, if you are to start talking about the way the ranger is a heroic, armoured holy warrior who smites evildoers with one swing of his mighty blade, I'll... Oh, no, 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 sir, nothing like that. Then proceed, young man. What do you love about the ranger? Well, I'm enchanted... By the way, they train their body and soul to fight unarmed, mastering the power of key to accomplish near supernatural. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day, and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool, good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We could do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Let's crack on and talk about... The thing we're here for. Mm -hmm. I know, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can hear my wolves howling in the distance. Right on time. The of the night. What beautiful Mm. music they make. We are always, always (laughs) happy to have pets join in on the podcast. Mm. We don't mind that at all. Yes. Uh, Nazi Dracula must die. (laughs) Nazi Dracula must die? Yeah. Um, I would ask why Nazi Dracula must die, but I think it's kind of self-explanatory. We're we're, we're on board with the project. Uh, We're interested in the implementation. So, Mm. um, I was admiring the cover art last week uh, because I think I recognised Mad Jack Churchill and the Russian sniper lady, whose name eludes me temporarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you you want to tell us about who's on the cover? Yeah, so um, obviously the first one on there is uh, Nazi Dracula. 
Yeah. We're playing a little bit of, uh, we were talking about what we kind of wanted to do next. Uh, we had done some fantasy and uh, we wanted to go somewhere else and thought that this kind of World War weird uh, mm. setting would be uh, kind of mm. fun challenge to tackle. Nice, um, nice. World War II has a lot of um, interesting people who were there, yes. you know, heroes all around and uh, in, in you know, unsung heroes working, you mm. know, on things like the Enigma Code uh, and mm. then these wild daredevil types like uh, Jack Churchill um, who who don't do well outside of wartime and carry <laughs> bagpipes uh, and play uh, March of the Cameron Men <laughs> when the ramps fall. Um, <laughs> um, so, we've got a few different characters on the front. Um, a, a lot of these, uh, we're calling them character icons, are designed by someone on the team um, who, uh, you, you know, representation is um, definitely at the at the forefront of mm. uh, RPGs right now. So, we wanted to empower some creators to design uh, characters who represented them and who, who they felt like they were excited by the stories. So, we have on here uh, one of the characters, uh, Nur. Um, which means um, light in both mm. uh, Arabic and Persian. Noor is um, <clears throat> our, our wizard. She's for the school of Merlin. We've got a warlock for Pan. Which one is Noor? Is she the one with the shield? She's on the far left in yes. front of the one with the shield. The one with shield is, is going to be designed okay. by Anthony. He's kind of a play mm. on Captain America, kind of that golden yes. age of of comic books, um, but he's uh, based in Puerto Rico. So, kind of a different look at that. We've also got a, a character who's a Russian sniper. Yes. So, that's going to be a rogue subclass. Mm -hmm. um, the pilot, Mad Jack, who uh, is going to be Howling Jack in this, uh, who's, mm -hmm. who's going to be the path of the Highlander barbarian. Mm. Uh, and then we've got a special ops ranger who you see on the on the right um so lots of cool classes we're excited for I, i'm i'm doing mm. the weapons chapter and weapons and equipment and mm. uh that and i'm also designing the rogue sniper so some some mm. synergy there in arguably one of the more the, the, one of the weapons that people are excited about playing i think sniper rifle mm. um you know in a setting where there's guns versus mm. grid-based combat you get a mm. lot of uh kind of different tactics Point, you know, jumping out of cover to fire will probably be more common. Um, fighting over greater distances when when firearms are more accessible than you know, like a like a black powder musket or something like that. Mm. Uh, so it's 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 pretty cool. Um, yeah, I feel like I just talked about a lot. That's fine. wrapped. So let's let's talk about the project itself then, just yeah, as a, yeah, a brief yeah. introduction. First of all, so uh, Nazi Dragon must die. D and D fifth edition. Yes, powered D &D by it. It's uh, an adventure mm -hmm. slash setting because you've got your own uh, uh, archetypes and um, equipment and all that stuff in there. It's not standalone, is it? It's, uh, um, no, no. This is. I mean, this is our first time doing this right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a standalone mm -hmm. project. Oh, you don't One, you don't need to play a handbook for oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You should probably have it. It's going to reference things. Yeah. Um, probably. But yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, you could technically just pick this up and play it. You'd just be missing core rules for like. Yeah, sure, sure. So that you need yeah. to have the SRD so yeah, that you yeah, can. 
this all the online would work with it as well yeah. Mm. yeah 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 so i'm just kind of looking at the introductory description we've got talking about um nazi colossi hulking monstrosities swarms <laughs> of demons uh demon callers rituals evils from hell so you are diving right into that weird science and that yes. and that magic that strange magic stuff that full throttle there mm-hmm. yeah it's it's uh so there is no wrong answer when thinking about monsters that could go in this setting and and mm. trying to f- find a place for them to to fit i mean the colossi themselves uh is is interesting you get that kind of industrial uh uh World War II um, vibe with the Colossi. Mm. So, um, so I'm a lead on this project with MT Black, um, Sadie mm. Lowry. She was a writer when we did Dark Holt's Secrets of the Centaurium for the DMs Guild, uh, and the Anthony Joyce. He's the he's the creative director. Anthony's a uh, U.S. Army military strategist. Uh, mm. He has like five master's degrees. Um, so, uh, I think mm. if there's anybody to lead a a product that is steeped in war. Um, he's a, he's a good person to do it. Um, he's someone who understands it and, and, uh, has connections to people who know the history and, and, and tactics and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you've got like 20 people in total, at least 20 people on the, on the team yeah. there. So you've got a lot of talent and, uh, knowledge. Yeah. Draw, draw on there. Can For you talk sure. a little bit about, you know, why, why he's such a big team? And I also see that you're paying them. Uh, an industry beating, I think, uh, rate of 20, 20 cents per word, which is an awful lot. Of yeah, money. yeah, it it, mm. it is. I think so. We're this is our first. We've MT Anthony and I um, formed a, a company with David Lizerbaum and uh, Matthew Barrett's. Um, mm. uh, David's a an attorney. Math Matt is a uh, CPA. When we founded this company, one of the things that we were wanting to do is kind of start pursuing projects off the DMs Guild. We've written together a lot, um, but there are, there are obviously some some negative uh, aspects of of producing on the DMs Guild consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas it, with crowdfunding, you can fund things upfront as opposed to trying to win back the budget you put into it, um, and the the taxes and fees. Um, or less so on Kickstarter than they are with the guild, um, because of the IP licensing. Um, so when we started this, we were, we were thinking, you know, what are the things that are at the heart of this and what do we want to do as a company? And we want to make sure that we're paying wages that feel more livable, that kind of challenge industry norms and, uh, that we were bringing on people you know, who can design characters um, mm. that not only represent them, but can bring that experience to the characters. So, we have Omega Jones. He's Critical Bard. Uh, he was on the, um, he, he was the leader of the, the Black AF Roundtable earlier this year. Um, so, he's going to be designing a, a, a Black Bard character who I believe is going to be French. Um, Daniel Kwan leads the Asians Represent podcast. He recently spoke at D&D Celebration um, with some of his co-podcasters. And he asked us if he could, you know, design a, a Chinese character um, and kind of show mm. the the side of, of World War II that I think we don't see, which is, mm. I mean, the thing about this is it's a world war. Oh. So, you have literally everyone involved in some way. This is something that touched everybody on planet Earth. And so, you know, we want to have our designers 
represent all different backgrounds to be able to mm. speak to that um, mm -hmm. in ways that we can't uh, as writers, yeah. frankly, with our experience. Um, yeah. So mm. it is a big team. Um, yes. A lot of the assignments are smaller than, mm -hmm. than uh, you know, this isn't a 300 page book. Um, mm -hmm. Currently it's, it's slated to clock in at about 70 pages. Um, yeah. So at some mm -hmm. point we were calling it a micro setting um, with an adventure. And mm. the reason why is, uh, I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier. There's a lot of RPGs out there these days. Um, it's yeah. some of it competition. You can see it that way. It's also just exciting. And getting the group together to play something like that is a challenge. So mm. with this product, you know, we want to put these, these pre-gen characters. We want to have it so that if you want to play this game in one day, you can. You can get your mm. friends together. You can say, hey, today we're going to play um, a World War II adventure you, here's the pregens if you want to use them. If not, you can design this class, design a character based on this class, and just play it. And if you like it, you can keep playing it. There's going to be the gazetteer. There's adventure seeds. There's, you know, special equipment and items. Um, but if you want to play it just for one night, you can do that too. You know, personally, me and, and my D&D group, we want to play a lot of different games. But mm -hmm. getting together more than one time a week is difficult. Mm. So... Every other game is not only competing with our time and us getting together, it's competing with every other game we want to play mm. uh, oh. and the current story we're telling in our campaign. Mm. But if I say, do you want to do a one shot? That's a lot more palatable. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of what mm. we're doing with this is a small, easy to digest supplement, you know, with a lot of different creators contributing to these stories. Uh, and then at the end mm. of the day, we can rest easy knowing that, you know, we paid them fairly. We gave them a voice. Another reason we have, you know, some people on here, uh, uh, you know, more than you think is this, this is a sensitive topic in some instances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we want to bring on consultants um, and people of different backgrounds to be able to speak to these and to read it and say, this is on base or you need to reword this or, Mm. how to talk about some of these yeah. things. Well, I was, I was going to mention that because I think I saw uh, mention in one of your updates that you brought on um, a Jewish consultant. Yes, because, we, have, we have a Jewish cultural consultant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's obviously sort of elements of, of the yeah. basic core concept. Which, yes. Yeah, so um, can you so get on to more sort of fun stuff. The basic, the basic concept is the, the, the adventure itself. So you've got what, 70 pages? The adventures, mm -hmm. how, how much of that is the adventure and how much is well, the... That's a good question. 75 pages plus, it says. Yes, so yes, 70, 75 pages plus. So the adventure, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure the adventure is at least 10 pages, if I remember what's allocated for it. Um, it's, the adventure isn't written yet. We're, you know, we're waiting to fund to do that. It's going to involve, um, Brand Castle. Yes. Um, and, and confronting Nazi Dracula to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two, two hour adventure, you think? Yes. Yeah. 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 It'll be, it'll be able to okay. be completed in one night. Very mm. digestible. Um, if you've ever seen mm -hmm. any of Anthony's adventures, um, they're very straightforward, easy to digest. You can just kind of pick them up and run them and read it as you mm. go. He's, he's got a lot of experience in, you know, yeah. creating mm -hmm. CCCs and stuff where, you're in the midst of running five games during a convention and you need to remember what you're running next. So I think, I think the art kind of conveys um, the answer to this question quite well, but mm -hmm. obviously people listening to this podcast can't see the art. No. So um, I just wanted to sort of um, ask, what's the, what's the tone 
of the adventure. I mean, looking at the art, I say it looks quite yeah. like a pulpy, two-fisted, Nazi punching, you know. Yeah, there, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of Penny Arcade influence, I want to say. I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, uh, so Brian Patterson is our line artist uh, yeah. with uh, Enrica Aaron Angiolini uh, is mm-hmm. our colorist. They, they've they worked on all kinds of comics, like uh, most recently uh, Harley Quinn, and uh, they they really delivered this vibe. Yeah, it's it's kind of pulpy, heroic. I wouldn't say it's it's gritty like Inglorious Bastards or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind no. of uh in, in there in, in that familiar zone of PG to PG-13 uh mm-hmm. type. Um yeah. but definitely more kind of cartoon mm-hmm. uh look to it. Yeah, you can see I mean in one of them uh this uh Oath of Liberty Paladin is just sucker punching this this Nazi zombie right in the face. Seems mm. reasonable. Yeah. So yeah, best way forwards. And I think yeah. I think in 2020, you know, after some of the stuff that happened here in the U.S. a year or two ago, it's a mm. good time to remind people that Nazis yeah. deserve to be punched in the mm. face. Yeah. So, I, mean, I, thought, I thought I'd just sort of turn it into the, the political podcast, but it is kind of weird that we've got to this point where you have to remind people that Nazis. Mm. Mm. Are the bad guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not just—they're not just bad guys. They're the bad guys. They're yeah. you know of all of history. They're pretty much the worst. The oh, worst. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Avengers, the fifth level characters. Yeah. So what have you have you got stats for Dracula yet? Have you got that? Part? No, no stats for Dracula yet. Um, I mm. am sure he will be very high level. Um, mm. I think mm. that this this adventure will probably be more like the villainous uh introduction of sorts right. where okay. you kind of see the bigger threat um you get a taste of what they can do um and it's up to the characters to confront them once they've seen them um, right. so it's that, like sort of the start of a campaign almost yeah i'd say yeah. well fifth level you know fifth level is at the point mm. where your characters they're good at what they're very good at what they do mm-hmm. i mean you have to be good at what you do to be an adventure yeah. in the first place um, yeah. But to get to fifth level, um, I think uh, Dan Dan Dillon, um, one of the designers at, at Wizards, has said that fifth when you get when you get third level spells, you don't get spells of that game changing nature again until seventeenth. That being able to mm. cast fireball yeah, uh, and, and things the, like the that is such a game kind of changer. Deliberately overpowered anyway a little bit because yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's kind yeah. of a very much a signature spell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it, it changes, he, he says it changes the way the game is played. Whereas, mm. uh, you know, when you're hitting around things where you get teleporting, it changes the narrative. But third level spells change that, the way the mm. game is played. Yeah. Um, which is an, it's an interesting idea. Um, so, yeah, so they'll be fifth level. So, they'll be pretty, you know, your character will be hardy enough to have those heroic moments. Mm-hmm. To, you know, slog a bunch of zombies um, and, you know, fight multiple soldiers without, like, getting hit by a rogue rock and then passing out <laughs> on the battlefield yeah. uh, as a wizard. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to want to talk about some of these monsters for a moment. Um, I'm assuming you've got a sort of mini bestiary in mm-hmm. in the book itself, but things like Nazi Colossi and uh, mm-hmm. you know things like that with uh, what well, we've got necrotic death rays that they disintegrate resistance fighters with. You talk a bit about some of the monsters, which is which is your favourite of the of the mm-hmm. new monsters you've created. Yeah, um, so we're looking at different. You know, you kind of have this occult vibe. 
yeah. uh, in, in some of the areas. Um, so one of the things that I'm excited about, I, I always like that kind of uh, religious aspect of D&D, the kind of hidden behind the scenes. And it's it's definitely interesting when playing in a real world setting where you don't have a ton of pantheons or anything like that uh, mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking about uh, um, putting you know, these, these French gargoyles into it, um, as well as, uh, y- you know, the idea of having monstrous soldiers, I think mm. is interesting. You know, a character with a weapon, um, who breaks out into a werewolf, uh, mm. during a fight definitely changes, uh, uh, things. Um, but I think, I think the Nazi colossi is probably mm-hmm. one of the most exciting. Just the mm-hmm. idea of something like that romping across, you know, war-torn Europe and what kind of weapons it would have when you integrate the weird science. It kind of reminds me of something mm-hmm. from like Iron Giant whenever his yeah. eyes mm-hmm. turn, you know, Ooh. green or red. And But yeah, so I'd say the Nazi the Nazi Colossi is probably up there. Um, there's also a good array of demons in this, um, which can Ooh. take to the skies. And one thing that we're excited about uh, possibly putting in there is, you know, like dog fighting rules. So with, Ooh. I mean, when you're in a- dogs will fight alongside you. <laughs> no, not like planes, like. Uh, uh, oh yes, of so, course. Sorry. <laughs> like I don't so, know why yeah. I skipped to dogs fighting each other. We well, mean planes fighting each other. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I mean, like his, <laughs> like historically, there's so many, there's so few things that that fly. Yeah. I mean, it's just planes. But if you mix mm. in D and D, and you can have something like a horned devil throwing mm. fireballs from the sky mm. um, that's allied with the enemy and you are getting into like a biplane and fighting a, a devil, you know, with your classic scarf mm. flying behind that you and stuff like that. sound fun. Mm. Super mm. cool moment. Yes. It kind of feels like the sort of rule book you could also, I mean, it's a little, it goes a, a, a lot further into the sort of weird science, but uh, mm. an Indiana Jones game. Because that's kind of set in that same era and does have some, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it's got holy yeah. grails and uh, arcs yeah. and uh, things like that. So, could, mm. could you maybe use it to play something like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that if you if you look through our um, preview document that's, that's on the Kickstarter page, mm-hmm. um, Sadie has done an awesome job putting a ton of adventure hooks here. Um, and with that element of kind of the weird science and then that... Um, his history mixing with fantasy, yeah. um, you get a lot of cool potential, yeah, like dungeon delving or um, familiar creatures coming back up. Uh, I think in here she has Baba Yaga. I saw that many He's creating yeah. snow golems yeah. in uh, Russia. <laughs> that's that, that, that's, that's, that's going to be a thing. That's going to cause some trouble <laughs> for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the subclasses you've got there as well. So you've got what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight new subclasses there. Mm-hmm. Different. I mean, you've you've briefly touched on them earlier in the conversation, but um, just to quickly whip through them, we've got. I, I mean, they're, they're quite a sort of eclectic uh, sort of spread. So we've got mm-hmm. like a, the a Highlander Primal Path for uh, for barbarians, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which. Now I think about it, I don't think it would have occurred to me, but now I think about it, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so you've got Pan as an otherworldly patron for uh, for warlocks there. Makes uh, sense. That's yeah. Copy, actually. And Pan, and I think Pan and the Oath of Liberty are the ones that are spelled, uh, the warlock patron and the Oath of Liberty are the ones that are spelled out in the preview document. So, um, so you can see um, those. Uh, in playtest all the way up to so level the Oath of Liberty uh, 20. Liberty is basically Captain America, right? Yeah, it, definitely. It was yeah. originally we were talking about having the Oath of the Constitution yeah. um, because it's kind of a document you swear by, um, but we wanted to make it more general mm. um, so that you didn't have to be, you know, American to relate to that yeah. the ideals of freedom and, uh, you know, delivering others. Yeah. So what yeah. else have we got? We've got Pilot, Sniper. Which is, uh, I think you said you were you were designing that one yourself. Mm. Yeah, sniper Sorry. excites me too. There's a, a, a there's a person who was in the Winter War, which mm. I think was 1941 to 43, um, and they got a name. Uh, they were called the White Death. After a while, they were a Finnish sniper that mm. I think had something like 500 confirmed kills. I think I've heard of this. Yeah, uh, oh. and he used to eat snow. So that he wouldn't, you couldn't see his breath. Uh, mm. It wouldn't, it wouldn't obscure mm. his view or or help him get detected. And he would pack all the snow mm. down in front of him, so that the when when the muzzle fire hit, it wouldn't kick up the snow and reveal his location. Mm. And he didn't yeah. use a scope because he wanted to keep his head lower mm. down. So he just uh. used the iron sights over ridiculous distances. Simo wow. uh, Heiha, I think. Yeah, he yeah, actually he cool. actually uh, got shot in the jaw. Towards mm. the end of his career, uh, but he uh, I, I made think, a full recovery. Was that? I think. I think it was towards the start of his career he got shot, and then he just then he went. I I, I don't know. Um, I think. I, yeah, the war ended before mm. he recovered. Um, mm. it, uh, it it retired him. Um, I don't right, know what right. the specifics of the Winter War versus World War Two are. Mm. I'm sure there's some overlap there, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, I'm glad he recovered. He sounded like a absolute badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what, what can you tell us about this? Since you're designing the sniper, what can you tell us about that particular that particular subclass? Yeah. Um, so, so it's it's in workshop now. Um, some of the ideas that I'm I'm playing with it kind of overlaps with uh, the equipment. So mm. we're talking about um, the prone condition mm. uh, in five E and the idea of mm. prone being a st- I mean, when you snipe, you have a mat that you lay out, mm. um, you're laying down, uh, and uh, I mean, creatures will have advantage on you if they're making melee attacks, if you get snuck up on. Mm. So, just kind of the interaction of things like having an aiming as mm. a property mm. on a weapon. The idea that you don't move on your turn um, and have – you sort of like how the, there's a versatile property for mm. – um, Two-handed weapons that if you grab this longsword with both hands, you do more damage. Um, well, the property would be similar to a uh, a rifle or something that if you take your turn and you don't mm-hmm. move and you risk that strategic mm. bonus, um, mm. that you'll do a little bit more damage because you can place a better shot. So, different things kind of like that uh, interacting with the, with the rogue itself and asking questions like, um, how is advantage going to interact with these added damage bonuses or um, mm. if my character is is taking the effort to go prone and they're you know this battle is taking place in a relatively small area of 60 to 100 feet where you've got a grid going uh, how is that risk going to be rewarded mm. Um, mm. F- for laying down 
uh, because take, mm. standing up is going to take half your movement. Um, and that's mm-hmm. going to only leave you, you know, 15, 20 feet to yeah. Uh, yeah. move out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. The other one that's caught my eye there is the school mm. of Merlin. Yes. So mm-hmm. what, what, what's the sort of, uh, what's, what's the, what's the deal? Tell us yeah, about what's the deal. Merlin. That's the word. I'm yeah. like, what's, what's, yeah. what's going on with this one? This is an arcade Give us the skinny. <laughs> yeah. So there, and there's definitely some, so there's some, uh, mm-hmm. Interesting challenges proposed by doing it in the, you know, quote unquote real world. Mm. Um, it's styles of magic and finding good, uh, mm. uh, examples of magic and traditions passed down. Uh, and so Merlin is kind of this, I mean, it's, it's classic wizardry, but in a real sense. Um, and how would that practice work? Um, you know, on a, on a battlefield in, in real life. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure, uh, that one's going to be designed by MT. Um, and, uh, yeah, that school of Merlin is, it's, w- somebody suggested it as we were writing and, mm. uh, they're like, I don't know, you know, what about the school of Merlin? And we all were kind of like, oh, actually, mm. you know, that's an actually interesting idea. Mm. Um, how would Merlin, you know, this kind of advisor back then, uh, how would that look in modern day? Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned mm. him as an occult spy master, mm-hmm. which is an interesting take on the idea. And it's yeah. kind of like if you think if Merlin had lived or from what was he like 400, 500 of the myths? Yeah. Um, mm. so up, up until modern day, so he's 1500 years old or so. Right, right. Yeah. What, what would he be doing now? What would, yeah. you know, what, how, how would he evolve? How would he change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in the setting, um, Merlin's kind of revealed himself uh, to the world mm. and is using his magic to command the skies above Britain, trying to stop these aerial assaults. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I imagine it's, uh, you know, Merlin would have had to adapt his tactics a little bit mm. <laughs> to World War II. But yeah, mm-hmm. super, super cool. Excited for that one. And, and, and uh, we have uh, Albert Einstein's in here as well. He's kind of the, the recruiter of all mm. these, we had this idea of, you know, what is it like when a warlock meets a physicist? Do they respect each other? I lived with the yeah. physicist for like three years. Um, you imagine this person who's put all that work into studying and they're looking at electromagnets and mm. maybe studying theory. And then you have like a 25-year-old person who makes a deal with some devil and suddenly has access to all this magic. Yeah. And, you know, probably comes the physics. Yeah. Or, right. Or, and they've got them on the same project together. Or worse than that, you've got a pre-pubescent sorcerer coming along. Yes. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. Magic missile. How did you do that? <laughs> right. See, I think, yeah, I think the physicist would just see that as science not yet discovered. Yes. Mm. Thing. There's definitely there's definitely still science behind it. Mm. It's just that we don't know what it is. And that'll just give the physicist more stuff to research. So they they'd like it. They're mm, excited sure. by the idea of discovering new physics. Yeah. And I then think. the stress of war over top of everything is is, you know, you have people like Einstein putting them on teams together. <laughs> does this does this sorcerer who's like 12 years old walk in with, uh, you know, an uh, ice cream and like a sandwich or something into mm. this boardroom while these physicists have, you know, files laid out everywhere <laughs> and all these mm. big machines? Yeah. So, it does sound very exciting. Yeah. 
So is the, is the intention that you play one of those subclasses rather than any of the ones in the in the core rules, or can you play those as well? Or yeah, do, do you tend it, to want people to focus on those? Ones? I, I would probably play one of ours just because they're built for the setting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the ones, I mean, the PHB, it, it's all of them are compatible. It mm-hmm. just will take a little, some instances, uh, if you're playing something from something like Xanathar's, it might take a little bit of, bit of effort to, mm-hmm. to get them to mesh. Um, yeah. You know, if if you're playing a, a rogue that fights with, actually the rogue's not a good example, the rogue works well. But if you're playing a cleric um, yeah. for something like a death domain, you have mm-hmm. to find out, I mean, you might go back to like ancient Egypt um, for mm. finding a god. Mm. Um, I think Horus or or Iris. Uh, I- Ibis. No. No, Ibis. no, Horus. Horus is the one that's- There's a few uh, gods of death. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, you might have to kind of bridge yeah. that gap a little bit. I mean, all the all the mm. principles are still there, um, mm. but I, ours are built with the setting in mind. The flavor yes. text is there for the setting. Um, and in some instances, mechanics are built specifically for the interaction of firearms. Mm. Um, and uh, protecting against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, one thing I did like was the inclusion of virtual tabletop ready digital maps and artwork, mm-hmm. which is, you know, pretty useful at the moment. When do yes. you think the project will be finished and ready to rock? Um, so, we were wanting to release this by the end of the year. Um, nice. If you, there is an early access option uh, in oh. there. Um, and, and of course, like getting access to, to, to play testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that, of course, the designers on it, they're, they, they know their way around 5e. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still cool to be able to weigh in. Um, so I, I'd say it's before the end of the year. I think that our, our goal was to release it in December. Right. It yeah. obviously nice. depends on how much we get. If we get some of these mm-hmm. stretch goals, it might take, uh, you know, another week or two after that. Um, but we wanted to be able to get it out so that you could go have snowy adventures <laughs> yes. uh, when you're home for the holidays. And uh, yeah, the the VTTs was something that we, uh, you know, we discussed. Anthony's done a lot with, with uh, he's written two modules for like Roll20 Con mm-hmm. for his CCCs. Um, so, he's he has a history of doing that and providing all those resources to mm-hmm. people. Um, and they do make a big difference to be able to have a map that mm-hmm. integrates that people can you know, put their tokens on and to see these characters and everything like that. It's just, it's a different experience than when you're playing Theater of the Mind. Yeah. This just looks such fun. I mean, I'm looking at this section on the Kickstarter page and you've got this section which says, why back this project? So I start reading that section and the first thing it says is, you get to fight Nazis. The second thing it says, <laughs> you get to kill Dracula. And there's more, but I don't need more than that. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> it's very direct. That, that's yeah. a very strong, strong message. Uh, I got that sort of on board of it, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's, make, let's make it happen. All right. Yeah. Well, there's, what, there's two weeks left to fund. Yes. Yep. Uh, you, where are we? So you were... Uh, a little over third, a third of the third way there. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am, I am going to back this one for sure. Thanks. And I, yeah. hope, I hope some of our listeners do too. It does look awfully fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yes. It is, well, we it had an absolute blast um, as well. You are more than welcome to come on again any other time when you've got another project yes. to talk about. So who do you have on next week for us? Uh, so next week we've got Robert Mariner Dodds of uh, Carbon2185 fame. And he's going to be coming yeah. on to talk about his latest projects. Fantastic. I, I look forward to hearing from him. But until then, thank yes. you everybody for listening. 
Thank you so much to Justice for coming on and telling us all about Nazi Hitler and why he must die. Although we yeah. all Nazi Dracula. Nazi, Nazi Dracula. Dracula, of course. Nazi, Nazi Hitler's already dead for us. <laughs> yes. That ship has sailed. <laughs> why Nazi Dracula must die. Uh, yeah. uh, until then, it's goodbye for me, Russ. It's goodbye for me, Peace Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Rollplayers. Yeah, it's goodbye for me, Justice Harmon. <laughs> Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I also have to say that Dracula himself does look a little bit like Matt Smith from Doctor Who. I don't mm. know who he's supposed to okay. up. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll look into that. <laughs> so I, he's a Nazi Dracula Time Lord, apparently. I, well, I'm really just, not seeing that, Russ. I've got to say, listeners, 